He was a lifelong depressive, having first attempted suicide before he was 10 years old. Although he graduated with a doctorate before the age of 30, he didn't get hired as a dean of students at Xavier University because, quote, he didn't have the qualities of a leader. Friends and family dissuaded his relationship with his white girlfriend when he was younger because stuff like that could get a black man hanged. He smoked cigarettes like a chimney till the day he died and he could play pool till dawn, much to the displeasure of his father with whom he argued with over his life's call. From ages 26 to 39, he led a public life while he continued to struggle privately. He was picked to lead the Montgomery boycott largely because he was new in town. He turned down a book deal worth millions and a speaking deal worth thousands and would die with only $5,000 to his family's name. Drama at his church, strain in his marriage, hated by as many who loved him, and the realization that he would not likely see 40 years old. Martin Luther King Jr. is a hero, not because he was perfect, but because he decided to say yes to things that benefited others more than it would him. He is great not because of some inaccessible quality, but because he decided that giving was as important as having. Dr. King was a beautiful person and he gave his life for something greater than that of himself. His work began as not only the son of a preacher, but a preacher in his own right. And his dream endures today because of the struggle he fought and eventually got the victory for when he died. This morning I want to preach one of his classic messages, why Jesus called a man a fool. This is something I've always wanted to do, but I've never had the opportunity to do this, but the Lord said, now's the time. First, let's define the word fool. In the Greek, it is raka, and it was a word used to insult poor people or even people that weren't as religious as the Pharisees. This word means worthless, empty-headed, brainless, idiot. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, Jesus said that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell's fire. Fool in the English language comes from the Greek word moros. We get our word moron from that. One of my dad's favorite words. <laughs> Fool. 
When you call someone a fool as an insult because you dislike them or you are judging them based on finances, race, or whatever it may be, you are in sin and in danger of hell's fire. But when you call someone a fool for hurting the kingdom of God, you're not only right, you're operating in his righteousness. That is the difference. Psalms 14 verse 1 says, A fool has said in his heart, There is no God. So, what can we say about a fool? Well, the Bible says that a fool is someone who says in their heart there is no God. A fool is someone who doesn't honor authority. A fool is someone who is unwilling to pay the price. Proverbs 18 verse 2 says, Foolish people don't want to understand. They take delight in saying only what they think. In other words, a fool only sees their perspective. Proverbs 18 verse 2 and 6 says, What foolish people say leads to arguments. They are just asking for a beating. Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, Foolish people let their anger run wild, but wise people keep themselves under control. Our text today is Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. There is nothing wrong, my friends, with having wealth as long as wealth doesn't have you. There's nothing wrong with walking in the blessing as long as you don't hoard the blessing for yourself. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain, an abundant harvest. You will eat on this for years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God, everybody say, but God. But God said to him, thou fool, you fool. You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. 
Dr. Martin Luther King was not Jesus and would not want to be worshipped as Jesus. But he was a man of God, and he was a man that said things that needed to be said for a nation to begin the process of change. This dramatic story from the book of Luke that Dr. King preached on 56 years ago was the story of a rich man, a wealthy man. This man was so rich that his farm yielded tremendous crops. His harvest was so abundant, he didn't know what to do with his wealth or his surplus. His solution to his dilemma was to build bigger barns so he could store up all of his crops. Dr. King would say, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That brother thought was the end of his life. But this parable doesn't end with the rich man glorifying in his wealth. It ends with God saying to him, thou fool, not next year, not next week, but your life and your soul will be required of you tonight. And at the height of his prosperity, the rich man died. How many wealthy people have we seen, actors, business moguls, commit suicide at the height of their success? How many people have we seen that have it all when it comes to the abundance of this world, but yet inside, they're lost, they're hurting, they're unfulfilled. If this rich man was alive today, he would probably spend his holidays at Mar-a-Lago and visit Epstein Island He'd probably be held by both political parties. He'd be with the upper class of society, with the affluent people of Hollywood and D.C. He would have all the social prestige and all the community influence that you could ever hope for. Most people would probably look up to him because he had an abundance of wealth because he had money, because he had power. But a humble Galilean Savior called him a fool. A fool. Why would Jesus call this man a fool? Number one, this man was a fool because he allowed the means by which he lived to outdistance the ends for which he lived. There are two realms in which we live in, Dr. King would teach us. The first, and I'm going to expound on this some for 2023, is the within. The within is what's on the inside of you. If you're saved, it's Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God on the inside of you. It's what you've learned through the verses of Scripture. It's what the culture in which you raise has taught you. It's about preference, but it's mostly about presence. Each and every person has something on the inside of them. It's called a soul. And if you know Christ, there's something on the inside of you that even though your flesh may be weak, 
The Spirit carries you to your next assignment. The Spirit gets you through loss. The Spirit gets you through difficulty. The Spirit carries you when you can't carry yourself. As David would say, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord shall lift me up. There is an anointing, 1 John chapter 2, that comes from the Holy One, an anointing that makes things clear and ever-present in your life. We all have a different design based on the way we were raised and who God created us to be in our mother's womb. We're all uniquely gifted. The within. But it's not just about the within, it's about the without. The without has to do with what kind of clothes we wear, how big our house is, how many cars that we own, what people think we are. None of that matters. All that matters is who you are within. Your morality, your spirituality, your gifts, your purpose, your character, your integrity. The only person that is qualified to judge that is Jesus of Nazareth. The within and without. Repeat after me and say this this morning, Abba's house. What I have is not who I am. What I do is not who I am. This man in the parable was a fool because he never drew a line of demarcation between the two. What was within and what was without. In other words, this man, he chose to hoard instead of help. He chose to hide from the problems of the nation instead of help. He hid his face from injustice. He hid his face from people on the streets. He hid his face from poverty, addiction, from the difficulties that people face that were not born in America like you, that were born in poverty, that were born hungry, that remain hungry. Dr. King would say that this rich man probably bought mink coats for his wife and fine jewelry, but never gave her the affection she was really longing for. Dr. King would say he probably provided a house for his children, but never gave them the attention they so desperately needed. He was an eternal fool because he lived for the things of this world and not for the kingdom of God. This man was called a fool by our Savior, number two, because he failed to realize his dependence on others. The worst thing you can do, my friend, when you arrive at your desired location is to boast in your own glory and pretend like no one helped you get where you are. We live in a culture now where everybody in America is self-made this and self-made that. Thou fool. No one gets to where they are without help from others. No one. 
And if you honor those that helped you get to where you are, God will trust you with more and more responsibility in his kingdom. But if you boast in your own gifts that aren't even your gifts, they're from the kingdom, they're on loan to you, then you will fall short of God's best for your life. When you read this parable in the book of Luke, you will discover that this man used 60 words. And in that 60, the word I and my, he used more than 15 times. I did this. I'm going to do this. He was a fool because he lost the capacity to say we and our. He thought it was all his. He built it all. He would have it all forever. Thou fool. This man talked like he could build those barns by himself. That he could farm that land all alone. That he didn't have to hire anyone to help him. Thou fool. He failed to realize his dependence on others. Listen, in the kingdom of God, friend, I can't do what I do without you. We are one, the Bible teaches us. And all of us who are part of God's kingdom have to learn to lock arms and help one another, pray for one another. We can't solve all the world's poverty right here from Hickson, Tennessee, but we can do something about Hickson. We can't solve all the hunger in the world, but we can help some people here. Number three, Jesus called this man a fool because he failed to realize that wealth was the result of the commonwealth. Only Dr. King could make a statement like that. That wealth was the result of the commonwealth. No matter where you are today, someone helped you get there. It is healthy to have a humble understanding of the commonwealth. Dr. King goes on to say in this wonderful message how the black man and the black race helped build the wealth of the United States of America. And in 1967, the African-American was not allowed to have jobs in the trade industry. They were shutting them out for being able to earn a wage to take care of their family. And to my white friends, don't you ever think you can identify with what that race went through in that season because you can't. You have no idea what the African-American race has been through. And to think you can understand being white makes you a fool. Don't be a fool. Our job as Christians is not racism, but gracism. It's to lift people up, not only to where we are, but above where we are. And that's what God has called us to do as a church. And that's what God has called us to do in a nation, is to raise people up. If you judge someone based on the color of their skin, you are a fool. 
Dr. King would say, and I love this part of the message, before the Pilgrim Fathers landed at Plymouth in 1620, we were here. Before Jefferson etched across the pages of history the majestic words of the Declaration of Independence, we were here. Speaking of his forebears, before the beautiful words of the Star-Spangled Banner were written, black folks were here. For more than two centuries, our forebears labored without wages. And Dr. King would always close it like this. They made cotton king. If you lack compassion for the poor, you are a fool. Dr. King would go on to say, as the anointing would rise, which it always would towards the end of his messages, he would say, I know where America can store their surplus food free of charge. He would say, how about Eastern Asia or Africa or third world countries? How about right here in America, people going to bed hungry tonight? I know where they can store their surplus. And I would challenge you this, Abba's house. How much do we really need Nothing wrong with having nice things. Nothing wrong with being blessed. God gives you the ability to walk in the blessing and to create prosperity. But I would ask us all this, and it starts with me. How much do we really need? Finally, and probably the most important reason why Jesus called this man a fool was because this man failed to realize he needed God. He failed to realize his dependence on God. How many people do you know that are drifting through life, drifting through religion, and they fail to realize their need for God? They think they can do it with simply the flesh that clothes the within. And friend, I have news for you this morning. We need a Savior. We need a Spirit. We need the power of God. And we need to realize where our strength comes from and where our hope comes from. We are not to live for the things of this world, but for the kingdom. And if you're going to live for the kingdom, and if you really want God's purpose for your life, you must understand that your purpose may be to be a martyr, to not live until 40. Because let me tell you, friend, when you do things for God, you're going to make enemies. When you try to change a culture, you're going to make enemies. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There are a lot of fools around that believe that God doesn't exist. But I know he created the heavens and the earth. I know who my king of glory is. I know who regulates the seasons. 
I know who gets you through difficult days. I know where my strength comes from. I know who saved me, set me free, has called me, contains me, sustains me, blesses me, loves me when nobody else will. His name is Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. I know who created me. And I know where my help comes from. His name is Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. This man didn't realize he needed God. He acted like the creator instead of a creature. Even 56 years after Dr. King preached this message, people are still forgetting God. People turning their back on his embassy, the local church, people putting their Bibles on the shelf, denominations dying, Christian people fighting. Where is our faith in this season? Where are the families that make the Word of God a priority in this season? Where are the people that are going to stand up for justice, stand up for righteousness, stand up for truth? Where are the people who are going to be faithful, not tossed to and fro? Where are the people who are going to love this place, not for a paycheck like a hireling, but because God called them here? I'm asking God for a move I'm asking God for laborers for a harvest. I'm asking God for revival. And even if I'm the only one asking, I'm going on in believing he's going to do it. Even if I'm the only one praying, I'm going to go on in believing that he's going to answer me. Even if I'm the only one that's going to fast this month, I'm going to go on in believing the Spirit's going to show up in this place for you, for your families, answering your prayers creating promotion for you. I'm believing it. This man never came to know God for himself. Centuries ago, Jeremiah raised the question, is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? He raised this question because he saw good people suffering so often and evil prospering. I would never try to compare my struggles with his. But what I'll tell you is, from the first time I preached till now, when the devil's attacking me and things are coming against me and I want to quit, and this has been one of those weeks where I sometimes wish I would have done something else. I'll get out that YouTube and I'll fast forward this message to that part. When I get to that part, I start praying in the spirit, man. And I feel the Holy Ghost come on in the inside of me. And I'm reminded that what I'm called to do is about him. It's not about me and it's not about you.
It's about him. And I'm reminded where my help comes from. And I'm reminded of when God saved me and he's filled me with his Holy Spirit. And I'm reminded that it wasn't supposed to be easy. But God promises never to leave me. Oh, never alone. I want to tell you this morning, if you're going through hell, you don't have to go through it alone. If you call on the name of Jesus, the Spirit will come and fill you up and give you power and strength and courage and purpose and hope. It's not going to come through religion, friend. It's not going to come through your everyday activities. You've got to get to a place where I've been too many times where Dr. King was, as brilliant as he was. He had to have a spiritual experience to get through the hell and pain that comes with this life. I don't care what label you put on your back. I promise you this, my friend. The Spirit of God can carry you through every situation. Every situation. But you've got to call on the name above every name. Somebody stand on their feet and give God some praise in here. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. I don't do this every week. And let me tell you why. Because there came a season in this church where people didn't feel like God moved unless they came down here and started shaking like a tree. And they got addicted to that experience like a drug addict. And so I don't always lay hands on you. I do when I'm preaching on the road because I don't want you dependent on my touch. That's for the immature Christian. There are times where I'll let the staff lay hands on you because they're just as capable and as anointed as I am. There's times when I don't because I'm not as concerned about what happens here as I am what happens there. But today, God's told me in my weakness and in my pain and in my hurt to lay hands on you. I'll stay here as long as you want me to stay. And I will anoint you with oil and believe for your healing or whatever it may be. Because I am dependent on him. It's not my ability, it's God's anointing that will be released from my hands to your head in accordance with the book of James. So if you need Jesus today, you go to next steps, but if you need hope, encouragement, power, they can make a way out of nowhere. I'll lay hands on you today by myself as our team leads us in worship. Don't miss your moment in the kingdom.